T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, what does the dream offseason in Kansas City look like? One position Brett Beach should aggressively pursue and Aaron Rodgers emerges from the darkness. Now, two guys who learned the hard way the difference between fellatio and cunnilingus, Cody Tapp and Alex Gold. That was you, man. Don't put that on us. I recall this show yesterday talking about the lady that poisoned her private area to try to kill her husband and i believe you used the two terms in incorrect. incorrectly yeah yeah but i think it was a valuable lesson for all of us no i mean i think everybody else had it down. he's the youngest member of the show less experience you know nick is the youngest by about a year how experienced are you <laughs> we need to get into that oh goodness you know your way around a woman's body, Cody? <laughs> Why would you put it that way? Oh, God. I it, the, it, to say yes, Answer Cody. Yes. the question. <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't laugh. like Nick, the way this show Nick, started. He was just going to laugh it off the whole time. I'm give There's you an no answer. shame. There's no shame. And I think you're the one, actually, who has said on multiple occasions that we don't kink shame on this show. It's accurate. That's right. It's accurate. We're, a, we're an accepting show. We're about acceptance. Great start. Universal acceptance. <laughs> no matter what you're into. That's right. No matter which side of the plate you swing from. <laughs> it's Cody uh, and Gold. Hope well, everybody's th- having a great Thursday. Uh, we are expected maybe throughout the show today to have another member of the Royals join us from Surprise, Arizona. Day before the Cactus League opener happens out there. Vern's been living out in Phoenix or the Surprise Arizona area for the last week or so, and now things will start to pick up a little bit more. Earlier this morning, you heard Brad Keller was on with Fesco in the morning. So, you heard Nick mention other things in his intro, even though one of them stood out more than others that we addressed there at the end. The Aaron Rodgers Uh, part? The Aaron Rodgers part? Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to talk about that a little while. I can't wait. He has emerged from the darkness. And I think if it was a Chiefs player, we would have had to send one of us to the same darkness camp. It would have had to happen. If you just made me go, like, sit in a dark closet for five minutes today, I might go crazy. I would not make it in the darkness. For how many retreat. minutes did you say? Five. Oh, five. It's too many minutes. Now, look, I think I think you could go an hour, and you I think you could go a couple hours, but then you would think it's been days, and then be like, sir, it's been five hours. And you'd be like, uh, you, you would think he'd been there for days. Basically, he went into solitary confinement for four days or whatever. So we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. He's emerged, and maybe now he's going to pick his destination and where he's going to go. Does he want to be traded? Does he want to stay in Green Bay? We'll get to that later on in the show. But NFL free agency is a couple weeks away. We know the franchise tag windows opened up. And looking at what the Chiefs uh, have returning and then the decisions that have to be made – if I was to go through and say, not not guys that are on the open market outside the organization, but guys that are free agents that were on the Chiefs team this Super Bowl year, what are the three guys where you're like, all right, got got to bring them back. This is my my dream three, if you will, because I factor I in I, price here, okay? Sure. I mean, I'm also about you. You can say this is cheating. I'm factoring in also the ability to franchise tag somebody. So number one on the list is sure. franchise That's part tag. of the price. Yeah, franchise tagging Orlando Brown Jr. to me is part of the the what is a successful off season. For Kansas City. I don't want to give him a four or five year contract to make him the highest paid left tackle. Nope. Nope. Can not I a, not can I oh. uh, rebuff a little bit? 
I don't think that that should be uh, included in this conversation because there's nothing Orlando Brown Jr. can do about it. There's no negotiating involved. Yeah, I mean, okay, we can we can shift. So it I want to just say because we're all because uh, we're all going to say that, right? Nobody's going to say cut him. I'm telling you right now though, <laughs> but if it's franchise tag Orlando Brown, then I'm saying trade him. Like, there's no point in me in just running out another year. If he's not sure going to be your long-term answer sure at left tackle, is. then I'm good, and I would move on to solving my I, long-term I, problem. I think absolutely there is there's a reason to tag him and still have him play this year under that tag. I know it's a little bit more money than the $18 because it's a double tag now at this point in time. But absolutely, it means I have a left tackle for another year. While this offseason, maybe I have to address my right tackle, and I don't, I don't want to have to replace my left and right tackle in one offseason. So maybe this offseason I address a, an answer long-term at right tackle one way or the other. Um, we can talk more about that as we will multiple times, I know, throughout the offseason. But it's, okay, if you're not going to let me pick Orlando Brown Jr., then if we go a little bit further into the scenarios for Kansas City and who are, who are free agents and who are, who are not free agents, I actually would go with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I would go with Jarek McKinnon. And I would go with Colin Saunders. Now, I'm worried his price is going to be too much. I think between Nadi and Saunders, one of them you need back. You need the depth in the interior of that defensive line. I definitely think you need depth, which is funny because, like, when I went through my list, and I know Nick will be disappointed I did not include Jody Fortson, who is an unrestricted free he agent. Is not unrestricted. My, oh, he's a restricted free agent? Wow. Got a little bit of control. My answer is Andrew Wiley because I don't think I agree with you that I don't think you want to replace your left and right tackle. I'm looking at this from a simple dollars and cents standpoint. If I'm going to keep either a left tackle or a right tackle – I think I'm leaning towards, you know, Andrew Wiley, who will be, I don't know, a third of the cost, probably. Even if he's $7 million a year, which, by the way, uh, he hasn't even earned $7 million in his career total. So I feel like a pretty big payday for Wiley. Sure. Even if he's 7 or $8 million a year, that's a third of the money Orlando Brown is asking for, and I'd have one of my tackle positions done. I also am interested in McKinnon, mostly because I know he's going to be one year for $3 million and adds – more value at that price to the offense than just about anybody else. And as much as like we could have conversations about McColl or Juju and some of the price tags that come with that, I still think they're, they're going to be way more expensive than we want to admit, which is why I'm just like, all right, depth and defensive line. And I chose Dunlap. I could have just as easily chose Colin Saunders. But yeah, somebody on the defensive line who is going to add a little bit of depth to make sure that we're not doing it. Because we don't really have the full answer on Frank Clark. We all think Chris Jones is coming back, but we don't know. And without those, with that amount of uncertainty at the pass rush position, Dunlap added really good value to this team this year. So I, I would choose Wiley, McKinnon, and Dunlap. Dunlap's also interesting, just in terms of how many more years do we think he plays? <laughs> like, does he like one, does, two? Does he, does he want like does he want to keep playing? I, 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 that 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 would be something that'll be interesting to see this offseason. Like he might be one of those Cody where it's a late. You know, I, who was the player? I just draw a blank on, on who it was a year or so ago that would wait until uh, in, until June or July to, to decide. Uh, McKin- Og- oh, not Ogba. Um, oh my goodness, Melvin Ingram. Melvin, Melvin Ingram, Ingram yeah. a couple years would would wait till like June or July. Uh, well, that's to make what Jared McKinnon did last year. Yeah, too. Well, McKinnon was coming off an injury. I think a little bit. They were unsure about his health. I'm wondering on Carlos Dunlap, Cody, if if he's someone that's going to wait this thing out. Like, hey, I'm a veteran. I'm 33. Is he going to do that again? Because Carlos Dunlap did not sign with the Chiefs until late, late. So you you might put him as like your 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 three your your list on your three dream free agents to bring back. And I guess it still applies. We may not have an answer, Cody, if you're going to get your, your wish there until June or July or August because Dunlap might be sending this thing out as long as possible, like weighing retirement slash, eh, I want to miss a little bit of camp. Do I, like, I think he's in that sure. category now at 33 years old. He's now over 100 sacks. That was a big milestone for him. He literally has exactly 100 sacks now after getting four in the regular season. He now just picked up a ring with Kansas City. So he's, to me, somebody that's not going to make a decision whether he's playing next year and where until much, much later on in the offseason. Nick, how different is your list? Because Justin Watson could have been mentioned. Juan Thornhill, like there are yeah, plenty Justin of Justin Watson. I mean, just as much as I backed up that guy. And to we me, had our bet, Justin I, Watson is a three hundred yard receiver, man. Yeah, but you know, like one year, I'm not two million. Him on my dream list, though. I mean, well, like, I mean, it's I, to Justin me, it's a Watson, price. I can find a with all due respect yeah. to that guy. I I can find a Justin Watson this offseason without any problem. I can find someone to get two hundred fifty yards in my system. Sure, but I just I think when you're looking at like the price versus value to the offense, that's the Jarek McKinnon argument. That's why he's a better value than just about anybody else on that list. But you can yeah, protect McKinnon did way more than Justin Watson. Though. McKinnon was a great pass protector long before he even had the big offensive numbers in the back half of the season. McKinnon was a vital pass protector for this team, and this still happened. He had an eight week run where the guy was unstoppable in the in the red zone. Uh, first things first. 
Tommy Townsend is going to become the highest paid punter in the NFL. That's oh a problem. God. That'd be a problem. Mm, no, you know it's going to happen. Actually, like I'm not. I, I know you think I'm joking, but he is a restricted free agent. He is going to become one of the top two or three highest paid punters in the league. That is that is a 100 percent. Okay, going so he's to on your list, Tommy Townsend. Good and, start. and you know what? The he, punter. He last I checked, he's the best punter in the league. So all pro. We talk about return on investment. If you're going to pay a premium, I want a premium Good return. News is the highest paid punter average salary is like 3.6 million. So they'll be they'll Good. be okay. Make him four. I want a statement sent to the <laughs> rest of the four. league. <laughs> Tommy I Townsend's want a the guy. Statement sent. The guy was making 764 thousand a year. Uh, yeah, I want to re. I want to. I want a market reset. On punters in the NFL, Why Tommy Townsend. Why would you Townsend. want that? That's not good, by the way. Why would you? Well, when want you have that? the league's best punter, hmm. you guys have a lot in common. It's you a flex. Guys share share a lot. Yeah, it's a flex on the rest of the league. Good point. Give him more confidence with all and that money. And by the way, by the way, Cody, uh, you mentioned Jody Fortson. He is an exclusive rights free agent, which oh, means okay. that. Basically, if the Chiefs offer him a one-year deal, he can't negotiate with anyone else. Well, why would he want to? You know, this is home for him. (laughs) He is the prodigal son of Kansas City, so we don't even really have to go there with him. My list is a lot like yours, Cody. Andrew Wiley is number one on my list. I want to see him get a two- or three-year deal worth 6 to $7 million per. He deserves a raise, and when you're talking about if you you are in a situation where you're not going to come to a long-term agreement, on Orlando Brown Jr., the value of signing a right tackle for a third of the cost, a fourth of the cost of what it would cost to go out and get Orlando Brown Jr., to me, that's a much better value, even though you're not getting a premium player. You're not getting a premium player at left tackle either. So I would rather take the one that's not going to ask for the most expensive left tackle contract in the NFL. Jarek McKinnon's an interesting one because he'd be yeah. really cheap. I'm not saying to sign Orlando Brown Jr. to a long-term contract. I'm saying to tag the guy. I'm not arguing against you. I was, I was just arguing against the idea in general. Um, I think Jarek McKinnon, what he does off the field, what he does as like a mentor in that running back room, clearly had a, a massive impact on Isaiah Pacheco as a pass blocker. He was a captain in the postseason. Like I think that carries value, and he's going to be super cheap. And then the third guy, even though I've sort of – maybe rebuked on the idea of what he's going to get in the off season. I still think there is interest in re-signing Juju Smith Schuster. If he's not going to get a Christian Kirk like deal, if you can go out and get a, an Allen Robinson type deal, which was basically three years for $45 million. If you're, if you're paying this guy 15 million per, I think that's sort of the sweet spot of where the chiefs would be interested versus letting him go out and test the market in free agency. If you're talking about like a basically a two-year guaranteed where he's getting $30 million over the first two years of that deal and then everything else after that's I'm, gravy, I think that's the kind of the, the sweet zone where the Chiefs would still be interested. I'm happy to admit that whenever this goes down, if I'm very wrong, you know, like I know Carrington's made a big point about he's never had a free agent market, look at these things, but like I, I have a hard time imagining that there's a world where MVS, who had never had more than like 650 career yards, was good for ten million dollars a year, but Juju's only worth fifteen. Like I, yeah. maybe I'm way off here, but I feel like the starting point for him is like three for sixty. It's like we're just ignoring how bad of a free agent market at wide receiver it is, and it's not even quite as good of a wide receiver draft as it has been over the last couple of years. And he's still twenty six. And he would have been a thousand yard wide receiver again this season had he'd stayed healthy for the entire year. Like there's a lot of things like if I were the, it doesn't health, really matter health, the team. If I'm the yeah. bears, the jet, if I'm any of these teams looking to add a weapon, I could talk myself into Juju pretty quickly. And in, if I'm Kansas city, I can talk myself out of it at that price tag just as quick. I also think he's, you know, we've talked about this. I also think he's going to get far more than the pr- projected. Now, you mentioned the injuries. That is something that's part of the equation for these teams. I mean, it, he's been hurt two years know, in a row. Now, I, you know, this year, I think it's easier to it's a concussion. push aside because it was an unfortunate hit in the Jags game and it was a concussion. Now, we have looked, though, and this is not someone that's only had one or two concussions in his career. He, he's, he's north of three plus concussions already in his NFL career, which is a little scary if you're taking a look at at that from his point of view and obviously a team's investment in him. But I, I just I don't see it being another one-year deal for Juju Smith-Schuster. He's going to get a multi-year deal somewhere, and I, I think the structure of it is not going to nearly be as incentive-laden. And I think the base salary is going to have to be, you know, at minimum, at minimum 18. That's, like, low to me. 
I think it's closer to like 20 it's in the to 20s. 22. I don't know. Um, so that, that'll be the interesting one. I'm very much interested in bringing him back to Kansas City. But yeah, I think you, if you're the Chiefs, you can't go to 22 or 23 for Juju. What's the maximum so. number both of you would be comfortable with? 15? Are you talking about guaranteed or average salary? Average annual. Because you know that the guaranteed money for him is probably going to be about the 50 to 60% range of that number. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go to 20. I don't, don't think I would quite go to 20. I, as I, high think, as I, would go. I think I would probably 17, go to 18. 17, 18, yeah. Because that's always, and obviously that's eventually what happened with Tyreek Hill, and they've openly admitted that. There is a number where you're like, no, I'm good. This might be our dream list now, but then if you find out Andrew Wiley got $13 million per year, you might be having a different conversation, if it, if right? If it weren't for the injuries, I would go to 20. But like that's that to me is the line where I would just say, if you just tell me that I can count on this guy who's not going to be a superstar, Right, he's not going to be one of the top 15, 20 receivers in the NFL, but he can just give you 17 games. He can give you 17 games and 1,000 yards. That, that's where I would say, okay, there is stability in that. $20 million is cool with me. But the fact that the, end, the, the knee has sort of flared up, I, I wonder, okay, what's the long-term viability of this guy giving you consistent snaps? Well, those are all a little bit different. It's good. Orlando Brown, I mean, I, it's like funny. If we give you the one year, I'm sure that's what you're So are we, all, are we all on the page of don't give this guy an extension? Sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like it because as great as he was in the Super Bowl in the postseason, I think there's still a recognition that you don't and you really can't afford without, and, and the organization has shown us, they're not going to just pay someone be, top two, top three money at said position unless your name's Mahomes or Kelsey, maybe Chris Jones. Or Tommy Townsend, as Nick just um, said. Unless, you actually, unless they believe you actually are that. You know, Unless I mean, they, you they, are him. They didn't even they didn't even do a Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is a top three, top four receiver in football. And they weren't willing to do that for him. And so if you're Orlando Brown Jr. and you are in that eight to ten range of tackles in football, I think that's a pretty fair number. Why why on earth would they be willing to pay you on a four year deal, let's say especially money at to that make you a number one or number position. two? Right, because that position is different than making Travis Kelsey the top paid tight end, even though we know Kelsey's better at his spot than Orlando is at his spot. It's that you're talking about the third highest paid position in the NFL. Yeah, this is what, $28 million a year, if not more. Yeah, Yeah, and it turns out tight end still is only like $16 million a year, or Tommy Townsend's only $3.8 million a year. But I absolutely would love Orlando Brown Jr. back next year just because, you know, unless they do what you're saying and both of you are hoping they do, which is bring back Andrew Wiley, we'll see what kind of market he has. I'm worried that that market might be a little too strong. And that could impact the cost. I just don't want to have to deal with fixing left and right tackle in one offseason. Like, focus it on one. So maybe you tag Brown. If you are able to retain Wiley, then you can either through the draft or otherwise start to really plan. So then next year you can part ways with Orlando Brown Jr. and feel like you have a plan in place. Right now, they do not have a backup plan that we know of at at left tackle. They don't. Now, Brett Veach and the great work they continue to do each offseason, they have plan A, plan B, plan C. We know plan A a couple offseasons ago was Trent Williams. And then that fell through. And they moved to plan B or C, and plan B or C was trading for Orlando Brown Jr. So what are those other plans that they have in place if negotiations, if they're not interested in negotiating with Orlando Brown Jr., or if they decide to trade him? There's, they, have, they have multiple options there. I just don't think they want to have to, to deal with left and right tackle uh, in terms of brand-new pieces all in one offseason. Uh, there's uh, going to be an interesting show this summer that something tells me Kansas City is going to be very interested in uh, on Netflix, and that is uh, a new Netflix show that focuses in called Quarterback, and it's going to focus in on three NFL QBs, including Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and then the odd one, the most random one, is Marcus Mariota. Like, hey, we're going to have a documentary, guys, that uh, and, and a show following. That one's going to be elite, depressing as elite, hell. Elite quarterbacks, and it's Mahomes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. Bit of a drop-off from the Cousins to Mariota department. But I think this is going to be really cool because they, they mic them up throughout the entire season. Away from the field as well, so you're gonna get a little glimpse yeah, behind there was, the scenes of their, you know, their their life a little bit more as well. They were at their work, at their home in the last year, um, and so one of the quotes from the the press release that was put out there was from welcoming home a new baby in the middle of the season to welcoming the Lombardi Trophy back to Kansas City. Our crew was there for it all. I think we're gonna see some stuff, guys, that we've never been able to see before. We know the Chiefs as a whole put out their own mic'd up stuff, but let's be honest, it's a little more filtered, a little more censored. I'll be curious to see what kind of access and what's approved. Look, if- uh, on, on the back end here compared to what we've seen in the past. If it's anything like the full swing Netflix show or the F1 Netflix show, Patrick yeah. Holmes is about to piss off a whole <laughs> bunch of people in the league. And, and by the way, for good damn reason, 
There could not be a better season, by the way, for Netflix to have agreed with these three quarterbacks because they're all interesting for their own reasons. Here's the, the bad team. Here's a quarterback struggling on a bad team who eventually falls on. He's not in the starting gig anymore. Here's the quarterback who's on a team that everyone thinks is a paper tiger who generally has a sense of like, I'm invincible, even though he shouldn't in Kirk Cousins. And then Mahomes, the guy who just so happened to end up winning the MVP, having a kid in the middle of the season and winning the Super Bowl. So it's like you've got kind of the entire dichotomy of the way all three of these things are going to set themselves up. I'm a little surprised Mahomes is willing to allow this amount yeah. of access to himself. He's I think it's very smart, careful with his I, image. He is, but I think this is really smart. So one, it's a big deal for the NFL because it's the first time the NFL and Netflix have put together a show together. And of and course, Omaha Productions, Omaha so the Peyton Produ- Manning company. Omaha Productions involved. Yeah, that's the one everybody knows. But guess what? Mahomes just started his own production company. And it's it's called 2PM Productions. And they're also producing this. So here's your for like we talk about some of the biggest stars in sports. These you know these all time great athletes. LeBron's got his own production company, things like that. Mahomes just created his own production company, and so it makes sense that the first uh, project is going to be one directly involving him going behind the scenes. So that's why Cody, I'm actually optimistic that we're going to get really really good access, and they're actually going to show some stuff. Because I'm gonna- because it's his own like. He, it's his own production company. This isn't something he just decided to form just for this. He clearly plans on while he's playing or post-playing career, like all these big-time athletes do now, being involved in, in, product, uh, in projects. Look, I, I hope you're right. Uh, because, again, some of these sports have done a really good job of giving behind-the-scenes access that you wouldn't normally be given. Right, like, uh, so I, I finished the full swing thing, and there's an episode where Rory McElroy is, like, in the training room, and he's essentially like, F you, Phil, when they're, like, joking <laughs> about... Uh, the way live golf tours, like screwing up some of their world a little bit. And Roy was obviously one of the most outspoken players on the entire, in the entire PGA about this stuff. And like, you just don't see players talk about other players like that ever. Like as much as the Kelsey brothers podcast has given us a little insight to this, it's not exactly the same thing as it was before. And so I, I, the NFL has always been a little more protective about what you can see. So I don't know, yeah. because if it's outside the NFL a little bit, but it involves NFL films, how protective uh, will they be of these guys? The way that I don't feel like, you know, like hard knock shows nearly right. as much as it used to. Yeah, they had an entire I, quarterback controversy or wide receiver controversy. They didn't even show. I think this will have more access now. Like for me, like I know you were just giving examples. Like for me, access and being behind the scenes, like I don't just because they don't show them cussing a bunch doesn't mean that it's that it, we didn't get access. Like I feel like every example that we were giving. No, I don't need like, the cussing. I, I just meant, I don't care. It wasn't I, about I, the filth thing. It was about him showing yeah. actual viscera towards another player. Yeah, like that. I mean, that kind mocking of, somebody else. But again, like I guess. If that's part of it, like I don't, I don't think just because the the, the golf uh, behind the scenes documentary on Netflix has people talking crap to other players and all like because you, you were like, yeah, they're gonna he's gonna piss off a bunch of players. Like I don't know if that's gonna be the case. That is like you can you can show people your life without just it being about you being a prick to people. So like I I don't think that automatically means what we're going to see. I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. The first season of quarterback. The plan is for them to to do it years in advance with different quarterbacks every year. They're obviously kicking it off with Patrick yeah. Mahomes. I don't sense. think off the field you'll see that Mahomes is a pretty like That's I, what I'm I, saying. I don't I I but all piss people off. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't think off the field we're just going to get like all this unfettered access. He's going to be sitting at home with his wife and and well, just being like saying. just bashing bashing Derek Carr for sucking. No, I don't think that that's the version. You'll probably get a very sincere, very kind Mahomes on the up, but like the on field, that's the Eric B who is speaking for his introductory press conference mm-hmm. with Washington right now. The uh, competitive prick part, yeah, he's going to get on that. the field and they're going to have him mic'd up. And if they let any of those th- loose, then, you know, there's going to be teams that be like, God, this guy's so good. And look, there's a point of arrogance that people get mad at you, but not as much when you back it up because it's awfully hard to be like, that Mahomes, he just talks about how great he is and how we stink on the field. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, he is a two-time Super Bowl winner yeah, and a two-time I, MVP, so it tracks. I imagine it'll be an extension of some of the stuff we've seen mic'd up come out of the Super Bowl where he's on the sideline and, you know, even when they ran the wrong formation and they're all joking around in a way. Like, we were bleep, you know, we were in the bleeping wrong formation. Matt Nagy's in mic'd up along with it. Because it Mahomes is mic'd up, but you're going to hear from other people. I mean, the Chiefs had to have signed off on this as well. Oh, I mean, do they? If he's mic'd up in their on on their sidelines and other pe- and other people, like I'm assuming the Chiefs ha- also kind of gave the okay. I mean, at this point, we talked about this with like some elite quarterbacks. You can't tell Mahomes no to anything. Like if he's gonna do it, you don't really have much say here. 
By the way, perfect time to start your production. You'd be like, you know what? Um, I would like to be a part of this, but I'd like my production company to be part of it. Like, Do you even have one? You're like, no, but I will. Like, can you, like, find a job at 2 p.m. productions right now? Like, do they, how many employees do you think they have? Like, eight? <laughs> I'm not sure. Four? Two? Like, how, how many people do you think work there so far? It's probably just, like, it's four gonna dudes. Head, gonna head start. It'll end up being, like, 200 by the time he's not. I'm just saying, like, it's funny because it's like, man, might as well start it now. If I'm going to get involved, it'll say 2 p.m. productions, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll just get this baby rolling. So quarterback on Netflix will come out this summer. I know we'll all be watching, and I uh, should provide some some interesting content behind-the-scenes look at Patrick Mahomes. Coming up next, though, what Cody says the Chiefs should be using their draft assets for in one particular way. Just getting started here on a Thursday. Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Nick Schwartz with you. Coming up in the 1 o'clock hour today, we will head back out to Surprise, Arizona. I'm going to hear from Kyle Isbell. Of course, great opportunity for him, unfortunately, due to the injury of Drew Waters. But this is your chance if you're Kyle Isbell. So we'll check in with him, see how camp is going so far. And uh, yesterday, a question that multiple Royals players were asked involving eating habits has to be addressed. Has to I be think addressed so. with Kyle Isbell. He's a I professional mean, it, athlete, and I'm it, concerned about his answer. Um, and and there's some other players as well. I, I, someone that is heavily featured on this show or has been, uh, actually shares the same type of food take as me. So, and you guys know my food stances. So, yeah, they what, suck. So we'll we'll talk <laughs> about those. Vinny Pasquantino and I, based on his answer, something in common. It's weird that we, as a show, have decided that we won't shame for kinks, <laughs> but we not only will, but encourage shaming for poor food opinions. That's correct. Yeah, I think it's a more acceptable thing to shame. It's a weird line to draw as a show. (laughs) Would you rather have it reversed? No, I enjoy. I enjoy. Here's the difference. Both are about experimentation. One is about not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's That's where we draw our judgment. That's true. We as a show like to have broad horizons. (laughs) Yeah. Expand our palettes. That's right. Both up here and down there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know. That's Having why. fun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where we draw the line in the sand. I feel pretty good about it. By the way, Eric Bieniemy is having his introductory press he conference. Is, we yeah. mentioned is he winning the press Holding conference? Court. That's oh, hard he, to say. He is winning it like nobody's ever <laughs> won. Even man. listening to it. Oh, he's winning it though. How's but, the body language? It's great. He's all suit. He's got a nice suit on. He's good to go. He's good to go. I I, I think that the two things that stand out in the quotes that are coming out from it. Or he was, he openly admitted, he's like, I knew it was time to change, which obviously not the case. And also his lack of wanting to be complacent. He's like, I spent 10 years in one place. Uh, you know, it starts to, you know, like essentially you're openly admitting, you're like, I'm good and it's time to move on. And I'm ready for a different challenge than this, which is probably the way he should look at it because he couldn't have chosen almost more difficult circumstances to walk into from an offensive coordinator perspective. You have no clarity. On your quarterback, you have no clarity. On your offensive line, you are going to ask them to do things your way with an established head coach. There's not even clarity on the ownership there. And yet he still took the job. Like if I were, again, I I think he should be an NFL head coach, but if I were a team, I'd be like, look, the guy's not running from a fight. Yeah, I wonder, you know, too, based on those conversations, he probably had to have some sort of assurance from Ron Rivera and the general manager that either, A, yeah, they are going to really go with Sam Howell. That's the plan, and here's how they think it can work. Or if there's a surprise uh, happening still this offseason quarterback-wise for the Washington Commanders. Because right now, everything publicly has been Sam Howell, Sam Howell is who they're going to go with. That is the plan. But is there a surprise on draft night? Is there is there any other type of move? We shall see. Um, but I mean, you're, you're certainly, as you said, you're, you're putting yourself uh, up against it Taking challenge-wise. Uh, just based off of the personnel you're going to have at quarterback. Like Terry McLaurin's a great wide receiver. They got some great backs there. Uh, but, man, your quarterback, the most important position, uh, is a major question mark. A little breaking news here in the NFL. According to Peter Schrager, the Denver Broncos are hiring former Denver Broncos head coach Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator. They're such a beautiful mess as a franchise I mean, right as now. As a defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph is perfectly fine. I think it, It's in fact, super weird to uh, hire your old head coach as a defensive yeah. coordinator, right? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say, what would be weirder, Cody? Hiring Rex Ryan, who hadn't coached since 2016. That's who they actually were interviewing. So I would argue this is a much better path for them than hiring Rex Ryan. So as a Chiefs fan, I wish they would have hired Rex Ryan, not Vance Joseph, for a defensive coordinator position. Well, you're saying they got better, huh? 
Better did than you see, Rex Ryan. Did you see he was responding to people on Twitter complaining about the lack Rex? of staff? No, no, no. Sean Payton was responding to people on Twitter mm. about them pointing out how long it was taking him to fill a staff. Okay. And he was responding to people being like, essentially. By the way, the Chiefs, just so you know, I, was, I, I wanted to double check before I said it out loud, but the Chiefs did the exact same thing with Gunther Cunningham. He was the D.C. Oh, they did. D.C. became head coach, and then he left, and then he came back as a de- defensive coordinator. So they, they did the same. I mean, it's happened before. Where you, how do we think former, about the Gunther Cunningham defensive mm-hmm. coordinator years? I mean, Gunther was interesting. Obviously, Gunther has since passed away back in 2019. But uh, Gunther was uh, was was with, as a defensive coordinator. With what? all due respect to Gunther Cunningham, uh-huh. yeah. This is what 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 are our thoughts on the name Gunther? <laughs> is there a le- is there a less attractive name for me? I feel like you have to either be 90 or there's probably like a lot of kids that are like three names. There's something, there's, something eh, the the there's something about the GU. Like Gus, I think is a tough one. What about like, uh, I'm trying to like. He was born in Germany, guys. I'm it's not. Like, I said with all due respect to Gunther Cunningham, dude. But that's that probably goes into the name Gunther a little bit. He was born in Munich. Okay, I'm German, so I get to say this uh-huh. without any retribution. <laughs> Is that how this works? Yes. I'll let you continue. Mm. I, that's I, I don't the end love of my it. thought. I wouldn't name it's my kid Gunther. Gold, would you? No. Okay, well then. You named Gus. I can't think of a single other name that starts G-U. Are there someone named their kid well, like Gus, Gunner or something? I don't something? think people name their kids Gus. I think Gus is Actually, short there for was August. A, there was a kid that, uh, that I do know that was named Gunner. Yeah. Gunner's. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. I know a gunner as well. Gunner's okay. You're only saying it's okay because you're your friend, and you're afraid to admit right now in the air that you no, think it's a stupid I name. I have a friend named Gus. I have a friend named August. But we call him August. Nobody calls him Gus. So who? Well, then why is he Gus? He's Gus to who? Well, I'm just saying Gus can be short for August. I'm just looking through, like, GU names now. It's very <laughs> limited. Very limited. Gumpy? Gumpy. Well, Gumby. Yeah, well, Guillermo, but that's got a whole different vibe. It doesn't have that hard GU true, sound, true. you know? Doesn't work quite the same. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say I'm indifferent. I would say uh, not a not a strong name, but it's fine. I've mm. I've certainly heard worse. We've talked about some of the kids' names that exist in my kids' schooling environment. Well, there's one named Arson. So, I mean, you know. Uh, I'll weird. never forget the kid named Arson. That's a bad name. <laughs> never met the kid. Nothing against the kid. It's a tough name. I hope just if you're going to give your kid a weird first name, my only requirement is like if you're going to give him like a bizarre, unique, you're like, I, I want to name him Gunther. Just give him, a, give him an out. They might take Gunther. They might run with it and decide that we're good here. But if you're going to name him something bizarre, give him a normal middle name like Steve or any John. It doesn't matter. <laughs> normal name so that they have that option. If they're like, I don't know about this super unique name, I'd like some choices. But anyway, uh, Vance Joseph, the reason why we got on this road. Vance Joseph, <laughs> Vance Joseph, once the head coach of the Broncos, now the defensive coordinator, Gunther Cunningham, the Chiefs did the same thing uh, back in the day when he was the head coach, then became defensive coordinator a couple years later. And Vance Joseph, as we all recall, is, of course, having the time of his life thanks to uh, that game in Mexico City uh, and the silent reporter, who I can't remember the name of the silent reporter, uh, but that was an all-time clip. Uh, that happened. What was the spread weird. between Gunther? Like how long he was the head coach before uh, he came back as the DC? Because Vance four. Joseph was like the head coach like four years ago. Yeah. So Gunther, he had three different stints, I believe, with the Chiefs. So he was the head defensive coordinator, ninety-five to ninety-eight, head coach, ninety-nine to two thousand, D coordinator, oh four to oh eight. That feels slightly different than this Vance Joseph situation. Wouldn't Vance Joseph the head coach well, no, for like I mean, four I just years? T- I mean, I just told you. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, if you include the defense coordinator, Gunther was here 95 to 2000. Then yeah, left he was only a head coach 01. for a year. Yeah, then he left 01 to 03 and then came back 04 to, uh, to pretty com- Pretty comparable. Fair enough. It's a Gunther Cunningham situation. By the way, Vance Joseph, the new D.C. there for Sean Payton in Denver. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the draft a little bit, though, because you think there's an, an area they got to be aggressive. Yeah, I thought I was thinking more about how they use these draft picks and because they did such a good job drafting last year for their team and because of the flexibility I think they've given themselves, I actually think they need to be ad- aggressive with their draft assets from a trade perspective. And specifically, I think, on the defensive line. And defensive end is probably more the angle I would lean towards. But I think that that's, they need to use some of those assets to just get sure-fire defensive linemen across the board. I, I told you yesterday, I mean, they've got a lot of players 
from a depth defensive line perspective that are not currently under contract to be with this team next year or under question whether they will be, uh, you know, under or, or should be under contract again, right? And I just feel like you can use those assets. Like, go back now and realize why that Frank Clark trade works so well because you had an established defensive lineman to go the opposite of the other guys who you needed to have it there. And look, I'm not saying Frank Clark was a perfect player the entire time he's in Kansas city, but you had to make those kind of moves. And the same problem is going to exist. here. Do you really think you're going to find capable rookie defensive end in the first or the second round again? You think you're going two for two like that? We already talked about how hard it is to find those guys at that position. I feel like in order to give your chance, or, 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 you know, give yourself a really good chance of repeating a Super Bowl champions, you need to be better on the defensive line. And I know that sounds silly because they were second in the NFL in sacks, but a lot of those guys are going to be gone. I think I'd be aggressive with my draft assets and look for guys you can trade for. And I and I know that you're always, you know, the answer is always going to be who, right? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Who get, you know, Darren Payne or Montez Sweat. Yeah. If Payne's you're just looking get, for a couple of Washington yeah. players. And Payne's going to get tagged, and that doesn't mean they can't trade him. But Payne looks like the reports are he's going to get tagged by, by the commanders. I, I think the, the part you have to be careful of, okay, if they're going to give Chris Jones this huge deal, which we all expect they're going to, right? Four-year deal, whatever, $120-plus million. That's the expectation. So then if you're going to trade draft assets, are they given another? Are they, are they given another defensive lineman, though, Cody, uh, an $80 million contract? That's my only pushback on the, the idea on the defensive line. In okay, trading. so they just Got did it. that. Like, they've had two of the highest-paid defensive linemen for the last right. five do years they, on this team. So, like, why that? couldn't they, they keep doing it? they want to do that again, though? That's fair, but they've had one of the most expensive defensive lines four years running. So unless they're planning on altering what has been their strategy in that department, we can't, like, you're not wrong, Gold. Do you want to keep doing it is a fair question that should probably be asked to Brett Veach. But the question of would they... Because just a year ago, we were all saying how the the, the contract, well, the contract was bad and they needed to get out of it and they'd move on Frank Clark, all that kind of stuff. Well, the contract at that point was was bad, sure, but you and I never thought that the trade was bad. The trade wasn't bad, but the contract can still handicap you going forward, right? But it didn't, you know? Like, I, it can, but, same, but it way, didn't. Right, but the same way you're telling me, and we talk about, like, yeah, you can't, you know, Brett Veach just hit on 20 of 22 draft picks, and you just told me that they can't just think they're going to keep hitting on them. You can't just tell me you think it's going to just work out the exact same way by doing the trade route again. No, not necessarily, and that's more than fair. And I, I understand the logic, but it's, to me, it's like we can't just pretend like, wow, with, I mean, would they even have that expensive a defensive line? That's all they've done. Like, they have consistently had one of the most expensive defensive lines in the NFL. And here's the thing about the trade is, as much as the Frank Clark trade really worked, especially when it came postseason times, there's a way for that trade to go even better. Like, we're not talking about they hit one-of-a-kind trade, single greatest trade in Kansas City Chiefs history. They got about six sacks, six and a half sacks a year under Frank Clark, and then an incredible postseason performance twice out of the five years or whatever. So like to me or four years, it's not, it's not even crazy to say you could make that trade and you could do better, right? Like you could do even better. Like, I know that sounds silly because they're two time Super Bowl titles. So if you like, it's, I'm talking to <laughs> yeah, like on field performance, not the end result. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about individual performance, not the end result. Obviously the end result is a two time Super Bowl. I can't imagine they trade for a defensive end this year. I'm just going to pencil yeah, in two just, Super Bowls I, over the next four years. I, I would love for them to be aggressive. I, I just also think that the organization's in a different spot than what they were in 2018. Do you want them to just take all these picks, or do you want them to trade up to get different players oh, so at varying want, positions? Do it, you want them to go after yeah, like you, players off of teams? Yeah, so you, you want to go and, and use the picks to trade up in the draft because you feel like, hey, you're not going to be able to get a player like Carl Loftus, who ended up with six sacks this year, by staying at 31. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to package picks uh, to move up to the teens? That, that is a conversation I'm very much interested in having. Um, but the difference to me from 2018 to 2019 is, hey, you do have two rings. You didn't have any at that point with this regime. You do have two rings, but you also had a quarterback on a rookie contract at that point in time. Chris Jones, his deal was not done at that time yet either. Now you're talking about Chris Jones' deal is going to have to be done. Mahomes' number, we just talked yesterday about the, the, the market at quarterbacks. Mahomes' number is much higher now than what it was in 2019. I, I don't know if it's apples to apples of the exact same financial situation where you can have the type of money put into the defensive line 
by trading draft assets to then also have to go pay two defensive linemen, defensive linemen in one offseason while still having a quarterback that's carrying a, a $40 million cap hit, even if they can structure it to where it ends up being $26 million or something like that. That would be the part that's only a little bit different, I think, for me. But be aggressive with the draft picks? Yeah. I mean, last year they had, a, what, 11 picks, and they ended up drafting way more guys than we thought. They did. We, we were talking all offseason like, oh, they're not going to take all 11 guys. Well, they got 10 or they're going to end up with 10 or 11 picks once all the comp formula stuff is done this offseason. Uh, and are they going to re- are they going to really go and do that again? I I would say no. I know last year they did. I would say no. They're probably going to do what you're talking about. Some form or fashion using those picks to go acquire other assets. I like the idea of acquiring up. veteran assets this time because you've done a good enough job in the full youth movement, right? You didn't expect to win a Super Bowl this year. I will argue that forever. That going into the year, not that they said they had no chance, but that was not like they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been easily convinced that this was like no doubt, no question, but they had such a leap from their rookies. It's like you can do the mix. You can bring in, you can use those draft picks to find veteran players who can make sure that if, you know, because we talked about those young players all the time. Yes, gold, some of these young players who played really well for this team this year, they're going to get better. But some of these young players who are playing really well for this team are going to stay the same or have a slight drop back or whatever. Those things occur all the time. It's hard to imagine the Chiefs. The reason why I say defensive end is it's awfully hard to imagine that seeing how they might lose two or three positions of depth on the defensive line, maybe three or four, that they're just going to stay second in the NFL in sacks. They could hypothetically lose Saunders and Dunlap and Clark. You know, Jones is under contract, but they're going to have to work his deal. Like, That's why I'm saying use these draft picks and give yourself some security at an incredibly important position. I'm not saying trade for a corner. You could probably just take your chances where those guys are currently under contract and see what happens. I'm not saying trade for a running back. That would be idiotic. I'm not, you know, like wide receiver. I could probably be talked into, but again, that would require the, like the guy I'm not thinking about all of a sudden being on the block because the available options that we talked about, like Deandre Hopkins, there's reasons why it's untenable. Yeah. I mean, T against Jerry Judy, those, those those teams aren't trading with the Chiefs, first and foremost, long before we even get to... You know what's weird is I remember you saying this about the Ravens, but I totally agree. Because you like you were like, the Ravens are never trading the Chiefs Nobody or Orlando Brunchy. they were trading. No, I know. And they yeah. eventually did. Yeah. But the Bengals, there's no way. There's <laughs> no way. Even though I saw it recently, no chance. You know weird about the Broncos? I would argue it's, it, they, you could make it... It makes more sense for the Broncos to trade, even though they're in division than Cincinnati. Like the Broncos, you're not, you're not, that's not the difference. You're not, you're no, no, giving them the Chiefs is Cincinnati. Gonna... I get it a little bit. You're not, you're not trading T Higgins to the Chiefs. By the way, no freaking chance. God, T Higgins would just rain fire on you every single time you played him. Yeah, my, which is probably twice well, most of the time I, I, in the Cincinnati case. Once in the playoffs in the regular season game. I mean, the dream, like the dream. If you're asking me, like, what the Chiefs trade up to get with their draft, like package picks. Uh, and I see people mention the name on the text line. We talked about this guy a lot with Nick during college football season, the TCU wide receiver, the, the Quint, what, Quentin, Quentin Johnson, Johnson. Or whatever. he's probably going to be like the first wide receiver, second wide receiver off the board. Though is a problem, but that's, you want to talk about a big body wide receiver. Everybody's been craving for a while. Like these physical tall wide receivers in Kansas city it goes against the MO usually of how Andy operates that that's a player. I'm willing to package two picks for and go out and go find your long-term number one wide receiver. But thinking of Nick, let's get to uh, Let's get to his notes. Gotta write something down. Nick's notable notes. All right, guys. Eric Enemy, as you mentioned, having his introductory press conference as the new OC for the Washington Commanders. I have a simple question for you guys. Which happens first? Eric Enemy becoming an NFL head coach for the first time in his career or yeah. Matt Nagy getting a second chance at being an NFL Aggie. head coach. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Let's be, on, let's be honest with ourselves and what's been going on for Time the last for couple of years. All right, like, guys, come on. What Cody said, I mean, how is that not the answer? We've seen how it's all transpired, guys. People love retread quarter or retread head coaches in the uh, NFL. He uh, would certainly be that. He'd already have the experience. They would have already given him the job before. Yeah, he I, actually did not do the worst job in uh, Chicago of all time. Someone if, will look if, back at that and be like, wow, two playoff appearances with Mitch Trubisky? They'll do that, and and the league has refused to hire Eric Bieniemy. As ridiculous it is, is. Yeah, I, I think the answer would be if you were doing like betting odds to get a, a head coaching job next or first, uh, Matt Nagy would be like probably plus one fifty, and Eric Bieniemy would still be four to one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I think that's how it would lay out. It sucks. Don't you guys think that Bieniemy basically has a two-year window here? 
Yeah, I mean, this is when we when, when EB got hired and today his press conference is going on. We, we asked, like, what's the benchmark? Like, what, what's the barometer that he, quote-unquote, has to reach? If they go from the 24th best offense to the 15th this year, is that all owners needed to see? If Does he have to give me a top 10 offense with Sam Howell? What, what benchmark, what excuse are people going to come up with? Well, whatever that benchmark is, right? 40, yeah. Year one, you get a pass because it's year one. It's a bad situation. Unless Rivera gets fired. Right, but if but let's just say he doesn't, right? Or let's say that enemy is there for two full seasons. If by year two you don't see that jump to whatever this arbitrary benchmark is for him to clear, we kind of know based off history of all OCs, if it doesn't happen within the first couple of years, you're not all of a sudden going to become – a hot candidate and Bienemy's not one of these young up and coming play callers. So he's even got the the odds stacked against him in that regard. All right, guys, I know you referenced this earlier this segment, and I believe we are going to speak to Kyle Isbell. Yep. Coming up later this afternoon. Well, recently on the Royals Instagram page, they're doing these sort of man on the streets type interviews with the Royals players as they're walking to and from whatever, batting practice to the cages, whatever. And they're asking them random questions. Earlier in the week, it was your go-to karaoke song. One of the videos that they released recently asked each Royals player what their least favorite food was or a food that they will just never eat. Kyle Isbell's answer, very broad, generic answer, vegetables in general. Like all of them? Vegetables. Says he does not like eating vegetables. (laughs) Every single one. (laughs) Oddly enough, though, that's concerning. It is concerning. What's even more concerning, Cody, is that Isbell was not the only player to to give that answer. In fact, Isbell, Hunter Dozier, and Dylan Coleman all said vegetables were their least favorite food. Are we concerned about the lack of nutrients being consumed by this Royal Late game fade, man. You know, hard to close out baseball games if you don't have that energy. Yeah. To get through there. I am a little bit concerned that they're this, they are a young team. I'll give them. But Hunter Dozier is like almost 30. You're still just Hunter no Dozier's vegetables. not one of the young guys. No. I mean, Hunter Dozier does look like the kind of guy who oh, he eats like steak for breakfast, steak for lunch, <laughs> steak and then and, another steak at dinner time. Steak and eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just just full carnivore, right? He's Jack. So it's a lot of protein. A lot of chicken breasts are probably mixed in there. Yeah. Chicken breast and potatoes. Just mix in a little broccoli yeah. or some peas or something. Yeah, some other interesting answers. Friend of the show, Vinny Pasquantino, said cauliflower, which I feel like is one of the most inoffensive vegetables. It's just like, yeah, I, it doesn't I'm have like, like a real strong flavor component to it. So just is, flavored like whatever you flavor it to be. Uh-huh. That's the thing. It's like it's, it kind of sucks, though, because it's not mm. it's not anything. No, it's versatile. Bro- broccoli's no, great. No, it's, here's what you're thinking of. I'm surprised to find Gold, out you're a big I broccoli think, guy. I think what you're thinking of when you picture cauliflower is those vegetable trays that you just absolutely, buy absolutely. where there's nab it's raw and there's yes, absolutely awful. nothing on it of course but that's the same thing with raw broccoli it's gross that's why you got to flavor it you got to put some seasonings on it you got to put some sauces on it then all of a sudden boom it can become whatever you want mj melinda said clam chowder which is super interesting very specific how often do you come across clam chowder he grew up in miami was there any hot soups <laughs> like how often is that like a dish served from the part of the country he's in. Uh, Michael Massey said Brussels sprouts. Again. God, I don't Brussels know. sprouts are having a moment right now, man. I love Brussels sprouts. You get flash fried. Put some peanuts. Put some aioli on it. Brussels sprouts are a delicious way to get. Uh, Bobby Bobby Wood Jr. I think have, have one of the more interesting answers. Celery. He said it makes his throat tickle. And he said <laughs> itch. <laughs> what? He said, he said celery. Cel- Have you ever ate celery and thought your throat was itching? I, that's what he said. I don't know. Maybe it's like because it's fibrous. Maybe I mean, that celery, part of it. Celery and ranch is incredible, by the way. It's incredible. Whoa, 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 whoa. Celery is How also flavorless. You, in that tray that I, I mentioned. Yeah, but I don't like with the, the broccoli texture of, and the cauliflower. Like the, tex- the crunch of the celery is great. I don't like the texture of the cauliflower. Mm. Because you can't say the cauliflower tastes like nothing and then say that celery, celery, is celery like guy. with flavor. It has to have ranch. His favorite fruit is watermelon all of a sudden. It's like it's got to have strong mm. flavor component. Celery's fine. I got nothing against it. It's not my go-to vegetable, we but I've got this, nothing against it. We did it. this a while back. We talked about the one food that, like, if it's on your plate, you're just done. What were your guys' answers? 
I know oh, gold man. probably has about 17. Uh, beans are the one food so, I say that, say that again. Sorry. The one I, food that like if it's on your plate, you're not eating it. Or like you just um, if it's if it's in a dish, you're not eating that. dish. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't like cauliflower. If it's cauliflower on my plate, I wouldn't eat it. Um, but like, what about that could ruin a potentially otherwise good beans, dish? Refried beans, so, black beans, pinto beans. So, yeah. so for me, it's more that it's more the condiments and stuff like and like sauces. It's, it's that kind of stuff. Like for example, uh, yesterday, shockingly, I had fast food yesterday uh, for for lunch, <laughs> and I went. I won't name the place, although we've played. A certain jingle a hundred times on the show. Okay, well you just named it. Um, you just that's, named that's, it. That's, that's the point. Thank Wait, you. what did you get? Thank you. Did you get a? I did. I did, did you get, get a Whopper? I did get one of those, <laughs> and I said what I wanted on the burger: no mayo specifically, and there was mayo on it. I took one bite, guys, and I was it. It was done. You stood away. Did you bring it back? I had already driven away. I wasn't going back. They got me. Damn, were you eating mayo, it while that, driving? Like, to answer, like, that you would, can't just wipe it off. That would no, that would it ruins. So the, to answer your question, it's more the condiments. Like if mayo is on a perfectly great sandwich or burger, the burger's done for me. It's done. That taste is disgusting to me. Peas are the ones for me, man. So I, one time somebody put peas in an enchilada. I was like, are you kidding me? What kind of white person nonsense yeah, was I that? Know. Peas I was like, in an enchilada. I was like, enchiladas are perfect. And you That's a hard put to mess up. peas inside of this, you villain. So now, now no peas ever again? Well, no, I mean, there was already no peas before that. It's still no peas. It will always be no peas. God, you won't even enjoy a pea covered in, like, cheese and enchilada sauce. That's really saying something. Gross. That's pretty much Mushy. completely disgusting. You want to talk about a bad consistency, the mush of a pea? Disgusting. It's not my favorite, but it's not going to ruin the dish for me. There are very few foods that I won't uh, entertain on a plate or at least give a shot to, even if they're not at the top end of my list. I'm surprised, Goldie, you wouldn't just, you know, scrape off the mayonnaise and keep eating. Hell no. (laughs) Hell no. That is uh, Nick's notable notes. Coming up next, though, uh, when it comes to this offseason, we think about one player really in particular on the offensive line, but what the salaries look like for the rest of the O-line actually might tell us already what the Chiefs are planning on doing. We'll get to that next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.